The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. Okay, let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. What the hell is going on in Knoxville, Tennessee? The Rossillo Show with Will Cain today. That is where we start. We would have started with the action in the college football playoff rankings from Saturday's outcomes, Chip Kelly's hiring. But that's just not what we're going to do. Uh, because yesterday, if you didn't know, yesterday, Tennessee Vols looked like they named a new head coach, and it was Greg Schiano. And Greg Schiano's like, guys, actually had a pretty good run at a program like Rutgers, was terrible with the Tampa Bay Bucks, defensive coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you think, okay, is that really who the Vols wanted? And then it turns out it's definitely not who they wanted. And the that reason, was clear. <laughs> the reason. Uh, they didn't want them, didn't want Shiano, I, I think is debatable outside of Knoxville. Inside of Knoxville, Shiano wasn't the guy you wanted because of his association, and we can get into the depths of this, of his association with the Penn State Sandusky trials. Um, and, and it goes back a long way that apparently when Shiano was an assistant there, another assistant told Mike McQuarry, who was the assistant that was the whistleblower on this whole Sandusky thing, that he's like, yeah, a different coach told me at some point that Greg Schiano had seen it as well. Schiano denied it. There was a statement when he was brought into Ohio State. I didn't even think about Schiano in that sense. And then that was the the piece of history used by a Vol fan base to essentially have its own football program hire Schiano and within hours walk away from potentially hiring him. That was the pinata that was hit over a four or five hour period of time that bent the will of the Tennessee administration and honestly many Tennessee politicians into making sure this hire didn't go through. But make no mistake, and I think this is something that you and I both agree on, Greg Schiano's loose affiliation with the Penn State scandal is not why the Tennessee Vols fan base did not want him as their coach. They didn't want him as their coach because they were extremely crestfallen and disappointed that it wasn't John Gruden or maybe Dan Mullen. They they were not emotionally prepared to encounter the name Greg Schiano after thinking a savior is on its way. They did not see Greg Schiano as the savior. Then comes the dirty work. I don't even think it's even about Gruden, okay? I, I think I think you're right though in that it was just they hoped it wasn't going to be Greg Schiano. Okay, and here's the weird thing, and I'm in this spot where I'm not a huge Tennessee fan fan today because of the way you guys have been carrying yourselves, but I didn't like the Schiano hire. I made a joke about it on Twitter when it was being rumored, and every single person that was a Vol fan, not one person mentioned the Schiano-Penn State connection. Not one person. So then Clay Travis posts on out, you know, I'll, I'll kick the coverage where it's like, Hey man, you can't do this higher. And Oh, by the way, here's him caught up in a, in a court case. And you feel like that's a very loose connection here. Cause some people have just said, well, what are you guys talking about? Ashiano, he's mentioned in court documents. It's been reduced that he was enabler of child rape. It's been reduced that he was a direct enabler of child molestation. Let's just be really clear of what this allegation or accusation right, this is what I want or me. rumor stems from. This is a guy who told a guy who told a guy that the first guy might have seen something to fill in the blanks. So reportedly Mike McCreary in his deposition in a civil case where he was suing Penn State University to get money as a whistleblower said that Tom Bradley, a guy who was an assistant coach at Penn State and crossed paths with both McCreary and Shiano told him that Shiano had told him that he walked in on Jerry Sandusky right, right. And, and a kid. That is a two-off rumor. That is a game of telephone. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's false. All I know is it's horrendously unreliable. And this, everyone has reduced it to, it's in a court document. Well, it's a, it's under oath. It's in a court document. You can say anything you want under oath in a deposition. Yes, you can be you can be charged with perjury, but come on. This is not enough. But in 2017, we have learned one thing very clearly. Allegations are indictments. Allegations are convictions. That is a lesson we've learned crystal clear. With Will Kane, the Rosilla Show on ESPN Radio, time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. Shiano um, is rigid, okay? And I think in the world of college football, your personality has to be somewhere below P.J. Fleck and above, say, Mangini Jets. All right, you got to find out some little area there. 
Uh, Shiano needs to have more of a resume than decent job at Rutgers. And I would say decent because, look, we all understand Rutgers is a disaster. And here's the timeline, if you're watching on ESPN News, of how the reports come down. Um, Shiano, when he was here, um, you know, I just felt like personality-wise, like you're going to be a guy in Knoxville that's going to be examined in ways that you don't want to be examined. And Tennessee fans, and it wasn't just Gruden. They were like, what a minute, what? Shiano? We got the guy from Rutgers who was a flame out with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Like, no, come on, man. It's early in this process. John Curry, the AD, you can't do better than this. It's like, wait a minute. He's involved in the Penn State thing. That's right. I abusive children. I will not stand for that. And now Vols fans want a medal for bravery as if it's only about kids when honestly, let's face it, that's not really what this is about. It's about disappointment with Shiano. You see somebody different in the mirror. I'm actually very pro-Tennessee over the years. Whenever anybody disses them and they're like, oh, they're terrible. Like, you know what, man? When they had that thing rolling for about 15, that was a really special program, okay? And for about 10, it hasn't really mattered. But for every Vol fan that's gotten real chesty about we will not have this on our campus, we admit it, man. Admit it. Be honest with yourself. Your disappointment was Shiano the name first, and then once you had a very it's just it's one of those excuses where there's no counter. I remember one time Danny Cannell went on with Levitard and they were talking about high school football, okay? And Levitard comes back at Cannell in the argument where he says, High school kids are dying. And I went, Well, that conversation's over. Because there's no counter. There's a Danny can't be like, well, but, okay, there's no counter when somebody drops that on you. When it comes to kids, there's no counter where you say, no, actually, that's not what you quite understand. But Vols fans, you have to understand, this isn't a national media, the media elite. No one's putting a target on you for anything other than we just don't really believe you. We believe you were disappointed about Chiano, and then you had a very... <sighs> A powerful excuse, maybe the best way to put it, because when, like you can't when you spray paint on a rock on campus, Shiano helped covered up child rape. You've it, lost your mind. Like you can't. There's no counter. You can't. I, like I don't have a position on the air where I try to tell you actually you're overreacting about what happened at Penn State. That's not what I'm doing. But I just think it's more about telling the truth here and what like the timeline of this. I can't emphasize this enough. When the first Shiano rumors came out. I didn't see anybody tweeting about any of the stuff with Shiano and Penn State. And then once it became more of a public knowledge, check out this article, read this, then it was like, yep, we're Tennessee, we will not stand for this. But you and I agree, and I think this is your analogy, so I don't want to steal it from you. If this had been Chip Kelly, who had been an assistant at one time under Penn State, would we be having the same conversation today? No freaking chance. Every one of you, it's a Vols fan, would be saying, hey, you know, that was hearsay. Uh, you know, that was a game of telephone. You'd be like, we got Chip Kelly. I don't want to hear about that part of it. That's absolutely my analogy. Totally agree. That's the truth. That's what this is. And it doesn't make you bad, Tennessee. It doesn't really make you bad. It just... No, I, it, I disagree. I, Listen, I... I I have, no, I, I'm like being disappointed. All right, never mind. You take over here because I know this is kind of a different path well, of this 2017. Is, this, is, this is one of the Rubicons you cross where I'm like, I'm not with you. When you do what the Tennessee fan base has done over the last 24 hours, you have crossed a line. You have clearly crossed a line. And by the way, just for background purposes like you, I have sympathies for University of Tennessee. Besides the fact they call themselves UT and the real UTs in Austin, they wear the wrong shade of orange. I actually like this team down in the South. They had Peyton Manning at the helm for some time. I love the checkerboard in the end zone. But you have crossed a line. I also get if you don't like Greg Schiano. I get it. I would be disappointed, too. I don't like too. Greg Schiano. I didn't like the hire. I thought they could have done better. I was disappointed for them. Totally agree. I would have been disappointed. But you don't go on a character assassination and a social media mob to crucify a guy over a loose rumor and allegation. If you don't like the coach, make a football argument. If you don't like the coach, you can still protest. You can still rebel. You don't have to use rumor, allegation, loose accusation as a way to assassinate someone's political character so the they're way totally they toxic. Look, if you want to come back and say, and I'm saying, I know that you are using you proverbially, that's the only way you can get it done, then maybe you just need to take your medicine because that isn't worth it. you got to sleep at night. You can't do that to fellow human beings. One day the mob will come for you. Then we'll see how you feel about it. Yeah, that was better said because when I was saying, like, I don't... I understand being disappointed because of a football hire. I do. Like, that's very normal. But what happened yesterday is unlike anything I've ever seen. Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LTE networks. We want to hear from Vol fans, okay? Because too often we'll go, 
all of you think this way. Every one of you think that way, and we could be assuming too much in all this. If you're a Tennessee fan, um, maybe not the pastors, because the pastors seem to be the most aggressive and nasty on social media, which I never quite understand. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Saturday, though, was the actual football. Saturday was Auburn beating Alabama at home, so Auburn taking care of number ones in the same month. And now you go, what do you do with Auburn? What do you do if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, the Big Ten Championship game, which I'm less and less convinced of the more I watch Ohio State? What do you do with Alabama? What do you do with Georgia? So I think it's right now, like, which direction do you want to go here? Did let's you put talk about rankings. Yeah, well, let's do this. I think in a world of what-ifs and hypothetical situations, we know, I think, with certainty one scenario, and that is that the ACC champion will go, yeah. The SEC champion will go. I I would think so, even with Auburn's two losses. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're hesitating on. I mean, I know that last year they took Ohio State over Penn State. Penn State, Big Ten champion Ohio State, didn't even win their division, right? And because that Penn would seemingly argue, yeah, and that would seemingly argue Alabama over Auburn if you just applied it exactly the same this year. But I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think that's going to happen. Auburn's in if they win the SEC. Georgia's in if no, they win the SEC. No, because Penn State got smashed by Michigan and lost to a Pitt team where right. Auburn's losses. You go, okay, it's, right. it's two ranked teams, and one of them's maybe the number one team in the country now in Clemson. Yep. Same scenario, different characters. Um, all right, so ACC champions in, SEC champions in, OU's in if they went out, and Wisconsin's in if they went out. That's your four playoff teams if everything holds. Totally agree. I, I have a hard time. I would love to find a way to keep the Pac-12 alive in this discussion. I feel like it's such an afterthought for, what, a month and a half here? But now that you have Notre Dame losing to Stanford, if you want to play the connect the dots thing, you go USC goes up to South Bend and just gets it handed to them. So they'll win the Pac-12. I just This is where public perception comes into play here, where it helps and it hurts you. We can sit there and act like the committee does not look at conferences at all, the strength of con- How can you avoid it? How do you do the job and avoid thinking, so having some inherent belief about what a conference is or isn't? And for the Pac-12, it worked, it worked against them all season long. But I don't think they're dead because here's where these scenarios in the debate starts. Let's say Oklahoma loses the Big 12 champion game, championship game to TCU and or Wisconsin loses the Big 10 championship game to Ohio State. Then you arrive at a place where you have one or two spots open, and the debate will be between these teams, in my estimation. Again, assuming form holds. Pac-12 champion USC with two losses. Big 10 champion Ohio State with two losses. Big 12 TCU champion with two losses. And one loss Alabama. Four teams, two spots. Okay, so go over it again. Bama. TCU. TCU. Ohio State. Ohio State. USC. That's assuming those three teams win their championship. USC is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, even though I would love to find a way to give them credit for not only playing the nine conference games, but two out-of-conference games where they play Texas and Notre Dame. But I believe they have the strongest strength of schedule, Ryan. I mean, I think if in a blind taste test, I saw them do this on the College Football Playoff Committee selection show last week. USC has the most impressive resume if you take the logos off. And don't watch the product on the field. Just sheer strength of schedule and big victories. And that's giving them a win against Stanford in the Pac-12 championship right. game. Okay, they're they're in play. TCU's probably not going to be in play. I think I agree with that. Even if they win the Big 12, they're going to lose a debate, to exa- for example, to Alabama. One loss to Alabama. Lost to Iowa State, not as bad because Iowa State ended up having you know, an okay season. It wasn't the Iowa State that we usually expect. And then you know, Oklahoma put it on them. Plus, they're not a blue blood. They'll be debated against blue bloods like Ohio State and Alabama. Here's the thing. I think I would cross off Ohio State on this scenario first of any of the four teams. I think I would too, but I know that you and I do not think like the committee on this. That Iowa well, what, loss, what's the What's the argument for Penn State? Or excuse me, Iowa State. Or Iowa State. Ohio State, the Buckeyes. So I already know what will happen. You go, oh, wait a minute. We beat, you know, number two at the time, Penn State. You'll have beaten a top five team. In Wisconsin, right. if you beat them, okay? right. And when I watch Ohio State, this is this. It took me what twelve games. When the other team isn't any good, you guys look like the Warriors. But when it's kind of a good team, JT Barrett, other than that stretch in the second half against Penn State, he's the same. He was terrible against Michigan. He was terrible in that Michigan game, and Michigan just terrible? doesn't have a shot. 
Are you serious? Terrible. He threw for like 30 yards before he Did got replaced. Did they get credit for their backup quarterback playing well? Um, do you think Haskins played that well? <clears throat> I think he played pretty well, yeah. I, I think people look at him as a freshman. He had that one run that got him towards the end zone. I mean, I know he hit on most of his passes, but... I just I, I don't think I would eliminate Ohio State before because there's no world where I would see Alabama going to Kinnick and giving up 55 to Iowa. I don't care what you want to say about Alabama. I don't care about their schedule. In no scenario do I believe or will you ever convince me that they go play the Hawkeyes and let that team put a 55 on them. Totally agree. That loss disqualifies Ohio State in this debate for me. My choices on who I would put in would be Alabama and USC. But I think what the committee will do would put in Alabama and Ohio State. Well, are they wrong to put in Alabama? With two spots open, do you take a one-loss Alabama over any of these two-loss conference champions? And I think you're going to have a hard time convincing people Bama's not the, forget the deserve part, better team than TCU. And Bama's resume does not hold up in the debate. It just simply doesn't. You have to rely on, I've seen things on the field, and they look better to me. They have no big victories. Mississippi State is their only big victory. Miss Alabama's actual argument is weak. But it's A, Alabama. They're a blue blood with a big brand, and they have been impressive on the field at various times this season. I don't think it's wrong to just go, hey, I think Alabama's one of the four best teams. And that is if Wisconsin loses. Okay. Right. And, you know, if TCU's in there against Alabama, TCU's going to lose the argument because guess what? I mean, we're, st- we're talking about teams with two losses versus one loss Alabama. If you're telling me that Alabama isn't that good because you just have watched them and you don't think they're that good, then I would listen to you. If you're going to tell me, well, it's because their resume doesn't stack like up like others, each week is different. I am always so surprised, Will, of guys that played this game, how how rarely they reference how different a team can be. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Are they different now than they were the first month of the season? Absolutely. You know, would you Night rather, and day. Would you rather play the Pats next week or in September? September. Okay, they are a different team. This is this moving, living, breathing thing. And it's the same thing in college football. And in college football, Florida State, when they were number three in the country, maybe even overrated in week one at number three, that was an entirely different team with DeAndre Francois that Alabama absolutely dominated. And you want to tell me that Florida State was always going to be as bad as they ended up being? I don't know how that happens. It's a Florida State team that has national championship aspirations that loses their quarterback, and then they start to stink, and they go, we're out. This isn't even fun anymore. And then they fought a little bit more at the end of the season. You know, who is Ohio State? Like, if you beat Ohio State, is that a great win? Yeah, it's a pretty talent. It's probably one of the foremost talented teams in college football. But depending on when you get Ohio State, they are different. Everybody that wants to make fun of the LSU win for, like, if you don't like Alabama, you go, oh, the LSU win, who cares? They lost to Troy. Do you honestly think watching LSU the last few weeks is the same team that lost to Troy? I do not. So I don't think you can always say some of these teams are consistent throughout, but a lot of them aren't. Hey, Las Vegas still has. Their odds on favorite to win the college football playoffs is Alabama at four to one. Clemson is second or tied at four to one. Oklahoma third. No, I'm sorry, Oklahoma tied as well. All three of those are four to one. It's worth mentioning UCF is three hundred to one. I do think, Ryan, at some point, when you're debating two lost conference champions, you might consider the one undefeated team out there. I get it. They haven't beaten anybody. SMU and Memphis don't count. I'm just saying we're down to two losses in the debate. Two. I would need seven losses <laughs> before I'd want UCF playing for a national championship. I want eight teams so we don't have to have that <laughs> problem. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. 
now there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Today's horoscope brought to you by GEICO. Capricorns, today is a perfect day for romance and fun-filled activities with your partner. And by fun-filled activities, we mean shopping for car insurance. Luckily, you'll find that switching to GEICO could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You'll keep this day of romance going at the hardware store by arguing for half an hour over the color of your backsplash. Love is indeed in the air, Capricorns. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Bruce Feldman, Sports Illustrated, SI.com, and also Fox Sports on the TV side of things at college football on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Man, I don't even know where to start. Let's just start with Tennessee. Uh, how did this happen? How bad was it? What's the weirdest stuff you've heard out of Knoxville? Okay, well, you know what's crazy is on Wednesday, uh, I had reported that it was a very real possibility Tennessee was going to hire Greg Schiano. So at that point, you know, you're starting to think, all right, they're going to get a big disappointment because all these fans who are hoping for John Gruden and thinking that John Gruden was going to was going to swoop right in and save the day. Well, not only you're not getting him, you're not getting Dan Mullen and some of these other guys. They thought, and then it really escalated over the weekend. Um, you know, at some point yesterday, late morning, I remember talking to somebody, uh, a source who had said this is far along to the point where they're in extensive talks. They're talking about transitional stuff, meaning does he coach the uh, urban Meyer wants him, wants Greg Schiano to coach in the big 10 title game this weekend. So when you're at that level, you know, the deal is almost done. Uh, they were planning on making an announcement within the next 24 hours. And then it just got sideways. I had somebody call me and said, this thing is, is looks like it's breaking apart. And I spoke to another person who's, who's uh, inside Tennessee, who said, they've already talked exit strategy. The paperwork has already been in progress. And I was like, wait, so you know, they had already signed these MOUs, which, you know, you have any, any big deal. So how do you get out of this? You know, and it's just, it's just surreal to see what happened. And it's gotten so bad. And this person was like, tell me, he's like, this is so bad. It is just toxic right now. Um, so we fast forward, whatever, 12 hours. And there's a lot of pressure now that some of the Tennessee fan base feels like, and I'm talking about not just, not just average fans. I'm talking about like fat cat boosters, politicians have leaned into this and feel like, okay, we've, we've blocked, we've undone the Greg Schiano hire. Now they want to get rid of John Curry, the AD there who was going to hire Greg Schiano and had hired Greg Schiano. And so it's that messy where they feel like, Hey, we've gotten one scalp. Let's get another. Uh, and we're going to see what's going to be because right now, if you're if you're somebody who they're looking, what your plan B is? There's a lot of coaches who are going to go. I don't think I want to deal with this. You know, why would you want to deal with this? So, you know, from what I heard this morning was they are seriously considering T. Martin, USC offensive coordinator, led them to a national title after Peyton Manning left as a quarterback. I was told that he has a legit shot at getting the head coaching job now. Uh, okay, does that mean with Curry in place as AD, and what, what else if not T? I don't know. You know, right now it's, it's there's some legal like entanglements because they're going to have to pay him, pay Shiano some money here. And what happens if Greg Shiano decides wants to sue for defamation? Wow. You know, what kind of case could he have legally? Because this is a massive distraction, or could be if you're Urban Meyer and you're the Ohio State Buckeyes saying this thing just blew up and how did you guys handle this and everything else and if you're Tennessee do you want your former AD who you fired to be getting deposed and talking about all this stuff because that could make them more exposed legally so it's a really it's a really fluid dynamic and like I said you have a lot of like you have a lot of quite honestly volatile big money people who have now gotten engaged in this Meanwhile, Bruce, there's, I don't know, half a dozen other big programs across the nation that are looking for coaches. But before we kind of play the coaching carousel on that, let me ask you this. Has this entire incident killed Greg Schiano's hopes of getting a job anywhere or just at Tennessee? My guess is it, it, it hasn't because when people look at the facts of this, 
you know, there wasn't, this was something that was brought up a couple of years ago, back in July, I think of not this past year, but the year before that, and Ohio state had given a statement how they had vetted it. And it was really kind of third party discussion that never seemed to have gone anywhere as it related to that. Now, if, Next year, Illinois is looking for a head coach and they try to hire Greg Schiano. Is this going to be an issue that draws protest? I find it hard to believe that. I, I can't believe it got to this point. So my instinct is no, that it wouldn't be this way. But and, and if that's the case, if what you're saying, Will, there's some validity to it, then I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Schiano would be suing for defamation because of how this thing escalated into the, into the grease fire that it was. Right, I so, think we're well beyond. Any. I don't know. You never say never at this point in this day and age of craziness in social media. I just heard some of the stuff you guys were saying before I count came on about the people talking about this. It's nuts that right. it went that it got to this point. Yeah, perception is driving everything right now. Um, uh, gonna, Jimbo, oh, oh, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher, right, what's yeah. going to happen with Florida State? What does that mean for A and M? That tell you, look, Scott Woodward's the the AD at A and M. He worked with Jimbo Fisher back when they were both at at LSU when Nick Saban was the head coach there. I he's going to take a huge swing or taking a huge swing to try and try and land Jimbo because if he doesn't, I don't know what else Plan B he's going to have. You know, you can't roll in with Chad Morris there or or somebody else who's got you know a, a 500 record and go up against Nick Saban and the SEC. You know, so. They must feel really, really confident that their big money offer is going to be enough to get him out of there and, and move forward, and it's going to be a done deal. But I don't know. At this point, I don't know. You know, you just hear a lot of, a lot of both, both sides. You just don't know what to believe. I mean, and, and I guess I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, um, given the craziness we've just had. I mean, I don't, I don't know what Jimbo Fisher really wants to do. He could have left to go to be the – be the head coach at LSU where he has some connections. Maybe he didn't feel confident enough in the AD there that he feels that way about Scott Woodward. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic in college station to say the least. Okay. And lastly, Scott Frost, where's he going to end up? I think he's going to end up in Nebraska. What I had heard the other day was that Nebraska had approved uh, a deal that would be, I think for uh, over $5 million a year for him uh, for seven years. And if he's not the head coach at Florida, um, I don't see why he would turn that down short of if Florida State comes open and does that give him something to think about? I mean, because I, you know, I always heard that he felt like his heart was in Lincoln. That's where he's from. Good relationship with Tom Osborne. It's just a matter of he's going to have some options. Is he going to jump there or could some other thing block him from doing that? Because some other job that he just may be more intrigued by. We're talking about Bruce Feldman. Okay, so I, I guess I keep going here, but what's up with Sumlin then? I don't know at this point what his next move is going to be. Obviously, Arizona State is open. Remember, he passed on that job six years ago. From what I'd heard, the president of ASU was not was pretty irked by that. So I don't know if, if he gets back in play there. I know that there's some other candidates that they're vetting now, like literally today. Uh, the AD there, Ray Anderson, you know, has – Stanford tied up guy gave a really odd press conference, to be honest. It would have been a lot more odd if everything that went down with Tennessee didn't happen the same day. Uh, so what's, so what do they want to do? You know, you got Chip Kelly's now in the same division. I'm sure that there's a lot of ASU folks saying, Hey, we should have rushed and tried to get Chip Kelly. If we're going to spend all because they're both, both ASU and UCLA spent a fortune on their buyouts to get rid of their guys. Um, you know, I don't know which direction they're going, but I don't think it's a, it's no it's definitely not a slam dunk that Kevin Sumlin's going to end up there. All right, Bruce, great stuff, Thanks, man. Bruce. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. Booger McFarland joins us now. All right, Booger, we all know what happened yesterday. What do you think led to Shiano being announced and then not being the head coach of the Tennessee Vols? Oh well, I, I think he's the guy that they finally settled on after Dan Mullen went to Florida. Um, after I guess they took a look at Matt Campbell from Iowa State, they weren't too thrilled about him. Uh, and I think they circled back to Greg Schiano and said, yep, this is the guy we want. And somehow he got leaked and, and then everybody just kind of went crazy. And, and, you know, they allowed hearsay and third, fourth party hearsay to kind of determine a guy's future. And, and to me, um, I mean, I, I don't know Greg Schiano personally. I've met him a couple of times, talked to him a couple of times, but I, I just hope that I never get in a situation 
or you guys never get in a situation where uh, people will allow hearsay to determine uh, my fate when it comes to employment that I want or maybe even deserve. So you, you were really upset about it, though, this morning, correct? I mean, this is... Yeah, I, I mean, Ryan, I mean, this really bothers me on a couple of levels. Number one, Tennessee thinks way too much of Tennessee right now. And basically, in my opinion, the reason for the uproar is not because they have uh, facts about what Greg Schiano did, because there are no facts. Uh, go read Dan Wetzel, who's a, a, a very, uh, very good journalist and covered the whole Penn State deal top to bottom. And, and, and I trust Dan Wetzel, uh, among others. And I think when you look at it, they allowed uh, their disdain or their disappointment in not getting John Gruden or not getting a big name or a splash name, they allowed that to determine how they viewed Greg Schiano. And because of their disappointment, they said, you know what, we don't want him. Oh, oh he was uh, connected to Penn State. Yeah, we don't want, let's jump on the moral clause, get him out of here. And they just jumped on that. And most of the Tennessee fan base, they have no idea what happened. They, they, don't, they haven't read the articles. They don't know about Greg Schiano. They just know that he wasn't good enough for Tennessee. And I got news for everybody in Tennessee. Your program isn't what you thought it was. Okay, if that's the case, Dan Mullen would have went there. If that's the case, Scott Frost will be lining up to go there. And it just bothered me that some of these programs, more importantly, these fan bases, they will hold themselves so high on the totem pole, not realizing, yeah, okay, he wasn't John Gruden. But Greg Greg Schiano comes highly recommended from Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick as a good football coach. And guess what? You need a good football coach based on what I've seen on the field over the last season. Yeah, Booger, I mean, I don't care how Tennessee sees themselves. I don't care if they have an overinflated sense of who they are. I don't care if they didn't like Greg Schiano as their hire. It's okay with me if they're disappointed, but there's just nothing scarier in the world, and I think we share this when I just listened to you. There's just nothing scarier in the world than a mindless mob armed with an accusation or a rumor. But um, I want to move on. I want to ask you this, okay? So Ryan and I agree to this premise. I think you'll agree with it, too. ACC champion, in. SEC champion, in. OU and Wisconsin, if they win, in. The chaos starts if OU and Wisconsin and or Wisconsin lose their championship game. If that happens, Booger, who fills those two open spots first? You'll have three two-loss conference champions and Alabama vying for those two spots. Who would it be? Well, I, I think in that scenario, what I would say is, you're right, the SEC and ACC winners are in. Then I think it comes down to a eye contest slash resume contest. Uh, if TCU upsets Oklahoma, Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Uh, I think Ohio State and I think uh, Alabama will get in in that scenario. Scenario. I think those two teams would, would fill those two spots, and you would have SEC, ACC, Bama, Ohio State in the playoff. Let's just say Oklahoma wins because I think this is the more, um, you know, this is this is the scenario that we expect, the more expected scenario. Oklahoma boat race TCU. They'll probably they'll probably beat them. I don't know if they'll beat them the same way this time. I think they're going to be favored. Ohio State's favored over Wisconsin. So if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, now you have Oklahoma in, you have SEC champion, you have ACC champion, you have Ohio State and Bama and USC if they win the Pac-12, um, basically vying for one spot. And in that scenario, I think the committee is going to say, you know what, we don't value the Pac-12 maybe as some of you guys do. So I think USC would be out. Then it would come down to Ohio State and Alabama. And even if Ohio State has the conference championship, the committee only looks at conference championships and head-to-head when they deem the two teams equal. And so I would just ask you guys, is a one-loss Bama equal to a two-loss Ohio State? And in my opinion, it wouldn't be. It, it wouldn't be. So therefore, in that scenario, I would put Bama in with one loss even over two-loss conference champ Ohio State. I don't know how anybody could be fair about this. Watch those two teams play all season long and put in a two-loss Ohio State over one-loss Alabama. Well, to be so clear. So Booger and I agree. But I agree with you guys as well. If I were on the selection committee, I would vote Alabama. But I think that it's not a weak point to point out Bama has beaten nobody. Their resume, just on paper, except for that two losses versus one loss, Ohio State wins that in every other analysis. All right, but we all are doing whatever we want to do to come up with our four. 
if we have the chaos that you're proposing. Mm-hmm. So if somebody tells me, I think Ohio State is better and they have a better resume with the extra loss, then I go, okay, we're just going to disagree. I think Alabama is a better football team. And Booger, my point on Alabama was this. We can do all sorts of hypotheticals. There's no way Alabama would ever go to Kinnick and give up 55 to Iowa. No way. Listen, I I completely agree with you uh, with that. And then, Will, the one thing that nobody wants to hear that the 13-person selection committee is going to deal with, and that's the two words everybody hates, eye test. And I think when you you look at the five coaches in the room, they're going to ask themselves, who's a better team, Mm -hmm. Alabama or Ohio State? And I guarantee you all five coaches are going to side with Alabama. And to me, those coaches are going to carry a lot of weight. So if Oklahoma wins, uh, they're in. If Ohio State beats Wisconsin, which a lot of people are going to have them favored to, then it's going to come down to what we're talking about now. And I guarantee – I'm not going to guarantee you, but I, I highly, uh, it, it's highly likely that Bama will get in over Ohio State. Thanks, Booger. Really great stuff Thank this you. weekend. Thanks, man. Later. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Now that Human Resources Director Fernando Pino has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's completely crushing it. He even has his own hype song. Supporting our entire workforce, everyone has different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Motivating and engaging our people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. I'm on the top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top, top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top. We led the show with what you had to lead the show with today, and that is even if you don't love college football, even if you don't do college football, although more and more people that I think were all pro-NFL are realizing now that, you know what, this college football thing is a lot of fun, even though it's dramatic, it's crazy, and yesterday was crazy because Greg Schiano was announced as the new head coach, or at least it was leaked out that he was going to be the next head coach at Tennessee. I think the immediate timeline is that it was met with, oh, man, this is awful, and then it was, wait a minute, he was tied up in this Penn State thing? Well, how how connected was he? Yeah, it was kind of a loose game of telephone. All right, well let's let's use that, and that will be our protest of this hire. Because once you start talking about the the Jerry Sandusky Penn State story, it's it, there's no counter to any of that stuff. And now Shiana was out before he was ever really in. And Tennessee fans are mad at the media for not understanding their bravery or their high moral standards, when I think, look, Tennessee, I like you. I've always stuck up for you. I understand. I didn't like the Shiano hire. I wouldn't have been happy about that either. But what I'm not going to do is applaud you when I think you really were anti-Shiano, the coach, more so than Shiano, the assistant, who may or may not have been caught up in something at Penn State. Yeah, and through callers, we've learned, at least for some segment of the Tennessee fan base, they're willing to admit that. (laughs) We did not want this guy. This is a huge disappointment. We are crestfallen from our John Gruden groomers. The name Greg Schiano was a little bit depressing. We'll use what we got to use. And there was this ugly, loose, Penn State Sandusky Association. And for some, there is no ugliness that is too deep, too dark, too dirty to get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. For some... The ends justify the means. Not for me. I'm going to play this Paul Feinbaum thing, and I'm going to ask you a question off of that. All right? Do it. Here's Feinbaum, who went to Tennessee. I've covered college football for more than 35 years, and I've never seen anything this bizarre or or surreal. You can blame it on a lot of things, but in the end, there's one person who's responsible for this program, and that is John Curry. He's been in the job about nine months, and he took way too long to fire Butch Jones. He didn't give himself very much time. He's been turned down, obviously, by John Gruden, by by Dan Mullen, and now his third or fourth or fifth choice, Greg Schiano. This thing blows up, and and it's just really going to be interesting to see the the repercussions and the, and the aftershocks. Because tell me this: uh, what reasonable coach is going to want to go to this university and, and, and take this job after this unbelievable uh, embarrassment? 
We're still the show, Will Kane, ESPN Radio. Remind me if you're at work, you can stream all three hours of the show on ESPNRadio.com. How much is... We are both in agreement on a lot of what happened the last 24 hours, okay? I think so. But I think there's another level of concern that you have that I'm not in a disagreement with you about, but I just haven't thought of. And how much of this is a Greg Schiano Tennessee Vol story for you versus this being... A 2017, this is where we're at in life story. Well, to be honest, Ryan, um, and I would like to learn what this is for you because I actually don't know. As much as we've hung out over the last several months, I don't know what your sort of... Straight. <laughs> That's a huge disappointment <laughs> on the Shiano level disappointments because I was thinking this was going somewhere else. <laughs> Moving on, you just you just made my joke way worse, but that's all right. You you think in our relationship you're going to slide little ones by me, and I'm just going to let them sit and try to be the straight man? You got the wrong guy. Okay, I know. I've noticed that. I've noticed that more and more. Um, no, what your primary filter is in life, like what animates most of your positions, what informs most of your opinions, and for me. One of the major things, I know this, I've learned this about myself, whether or not I was in politics or dealing with societal issues or in sports, is I'm freaking terrified of mobs. I'm terrified of mindless mobs. I don't care what situation you apply it to. I watched that documentary that people have brought up many times, the Central Park Five, about five guys in New York City that supposedly raped uh, and, and assaulted a woman in the city. And, and the whole New York media market and the mayor of New York and everyone came down on these five guys. Did they do it? Well, they're all out now. They all have been exonerated to some extent. That doesn't mean they weren't guilty. We don't know. But I see everybody descend on it, right? And I start going, hmm, are the facts there? And that's what happened here. An entire fan base armed with pitchforks and rumors descended upon a man's reputation, his character, and destroyed it because they didn't want him to be their football coach. You don't want to be your football coach? Fine. I think that's great. You talk about how terrible he was in Tampa. You talk about how he lost locker rooms. But you don't destroy his reputation and character on loose accusations and rumors. I just can't abide that, man. And that's the scary part of, of what this is. I think anybody that even tries to, if we're talking about like some of these bigger issues, right? If we were talking about some of the Me Too stuff that I've seen on social media with women dealing with harassment in every single place and you're like my god like is this where we're at right now and then there'll be the one guy that will say well wait a minute for this specific instance and it's like how dare you how dare you try to quantify any of this stuff how dare you and you're like you know what even if there's some i don't even want to call them debatable positions because like i'm even afraid of how deep i go into this whole thing but if there's something that is toxic if there was somebody that was saying you know, a public figure, a state rep in Tennessee that said, I might not like Shiano the football coach, but this is unfair. Nobody even wants to go to that side because then they're just going to be consumed by that mob on the way to their rally. Like, oh, like, I see. You're right. into enabling child rapists. I see you're on that side of the fence. Yeah, right. You go, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, some of the pushback that I got yesterday from social media and a lot of you Vols fans, I get it. You know, but but a lot of you are are just kind of crazy with this whole thing. Like we don't wake up and go, hey, let's put a, let's put Knoxville in, in the crosshairs here. Like Van Pelt and I were on the phone last night, and I was joking. I go, every fan base that takes this so personal and thinks that everybody's beating up on you, you think we're doing it because there's some kind of schedule. And my point would be, most of the most like the great fan bases of all these top twenty five schools or top thirty schools, almost every one of you take turns being the most insufferable at some point. Like you just do. That's fair. Like at some point you're going to be the one that the media members go like, come on guys, like you don't understand it. And it's not specific to you or any of that stuff, but even I would, I think this is the point that you're making is that I don't even think reasonable questions are even allowed to be asked about any of these things anymore because you're just afraid that if you go, Hey, you know, what, what about this thought on this topic right now? It's like, how dare you? Like you don't get it. And then you go, well, I'm just going to be silent now. I'm, I'm not going to oppose anything of, of, of the direction of the mobs going here, even if I think what I'm saying is reasonable. And I'm not really even taking a side. Hey, I just want to ask a simple question about your position on this right now or what happened with this story. Hey, can we talk about this? I'm like, no, we can't talk. I just sent out tweets. I'm upset. You need to listen. We don't need to talk. You need to listen. Yeah. What is your primary filter? Do I have to wait to learn? Yeah, you'll, you'll figure it out. Like in a couple of days? Or is this going to be a couple of years type thing? Do we have Adney on Thursday? 
So I guess we got to Wednesday. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Let's just get to it. This is, I don't think it ever happened where Saruti, before the show and then on the air, goes, can I just have a little space? So go ahead. So I've obviously gotten a lot of tweets over the last few weeks about how poor Alex Smith has played. Fair. Right, just like I, I got him the first month. Yeah, it's fair. And we talked about our biases last week. My bias would probably be that I, I root for Alex Smith to be good because that's kind of my stance. I'm an Alex Smith guy. Although I will say that I have... I don't think he's an all-pro. I don't even think he's a consistent pro bowler. I just think he's an okay quarterback. And somehow along these years, he's been dumped on, and he's the butt of every joke about mediocrity when he's often a quarterback that I think most teams would just want. He's okay. He's not great. He's okay. That's been my point the entire time. So two weeks ago, we had this whole Tyrod Taylor thing where he gets benched, right? Everyone's saying, oh, Tyrod's having the best year of his career. How could you possibly do this during a playoff race? This guy has no experience. Nate Peterman. So I just want to I just want to know these people that were so mad that Tyrod got benched because he's having such an, a great season. Are they going to be equally as mad when Alex Smith gets benched because Alex Smith is having a way better statistical season than Tyrod Taylor's having or has ever had? For instance, Alex Smith has a, has a better <laughs> has a better QBR. Alex is I know he's had a bad few weeks, sure. So these might be a little bit skewed, but Alex is seventh in yards per attempt. Tyrod is twenty sixth. Alex, 19 touchdowns, 4 picks. Tyrod's only thrown 12 touchdowns all season long. Okay. Alex Smith is 11th in yards per game. Tyrod is 29th in yards passing per game. And Alex is second in the league in completion percentage. That's I know these aren't all perfect stats, but all these people here, and I'm talking, there, there are a lot You're of people talking about ESPN, ESPN people. who were super mad about Tyrod being benched, and maybe it was a really stupid decision. It probably was. I want to know, are you going to be just as mad when the Chiefs do the exact same thing if they do and bench Ty- and bench Alex Smith for Pat Mahomes? I, I just want to know, because the answer is no. Whoa, and then he answered it too, yeah, Will. He can hear the emotion. None of these people voice. are going to be that mad, and they should be, because it's the exact same scenario. You gonna put some names on it? We know who they are, and that's okay. And I like some of these people. But it's okay. <laughs> but I just want to call a spade a spade here. Uh, okay. All right. So the Rosilla Show at ESPN Radio. Thank you, Saruti. You want to take this one? You want me to go first? Because the answer is no. Yeah, no. The, the answer is no. No, Saruti, you are right. You have pointed out I can what is certain to be hip- hypocrisy. It will be certain hypocrisy over the coming weeks, without a doubt. We're back on TV. What's up, ESPN News? But I can exempt myself from this, Rudy, because I understood the benching of Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman, and I understand the benching or potential benching of Alex Smith for Pat Mahomes. And I have my argument for why that should happen and why it should happen now. Um, but luckily, I was consistent through the two. Yeah, see, that's the thing is I wasn't outraged about the Tyrod thing. I go, all right, you know, we'll figure this thing out. And then it blows up and... McDermott's face. Peterman looks like he doesn't even belong in the league, and that wasn't entirely fair to even say that, but that's just the way it played out. They bring back Tyrod, the whole thing's good. But the answer's no. Alex Smith has been beaten up far more than Tyrod Taylor has. And yeah, I think that... And who are we kidding? So we'll just do it. We're all big boys here, but when it... with I think post-Kaepernick, there's a lot of how is the black quarterback being treated? And Tyrod Taylor himself brought it up in mid-October saying, I have to be twice as good. I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but it's tougher for a quarterback, a black quarterback to struggle. Like you don't get the second chances that white quarterbacks are going to get. So when Tyrod, it's perceived that Tyrod is being messed with, it's being, he's being messed with solely because he's black, not because I think there's a lot of numbers that tell you Tyrod's not that good. Um, so you don't have that label with Alex. Alex just the quarterback that had, will have been benched twice by what we think are really good coaches in Harbaugh and Andy Reid. Oh, wait a minute. Excuse me before we realize Harbaugh stunk. Um, that was sarcasm. So I would go look at, you know, Reid and Harbaugh bench this guy. So I'll, I'll defer to those guys. I mean, that's kind of always been my, my Smith thing, but there won't be a way to label like Smith won't fall into a category other than somebody's been in the league 10 plus years that we're still shrugging our shoulders about where Tyrod, you know, becomes the the oppressed black quarterback, which which some people believe is is factual, and that is indeed the argument. I don't necessarily see it that way. Even when I say that, people say, "Oh, you're just a white guy that doesn't get it." But like the Mike McCarthy thing with the Packers, he freaked out about that Kaepernick question. He freaked out too much. Did anyone ever bring up the fact that Hundley was going to be the starter, who was also black? You know, like oh, Mark McCarthy, like McCarthy, he doesn't get it. No, it's not that he's down with Kaepernick is the problem. He's down with whoever's playing the position as long as it's not Kaepernick, and then that turns into the soul of the thing. I think the most legitimate response to you, Srudy, from anybody who is inconsistent on these two scenarios, right? Tyrod Taylor, Nathan Peterman, Alex Smith, 
Pat Mahomes. I think the best response they could give you to avoid their own hypocrisy would be that Mahomes is a much bigger home run scenario, a higher likelihood prospect, a higher investment prospect than Peterman is. So turning to Peterman, I mean, turning to Mahomes is a much more logical course of action than going to, what was Peterman? Fifth round? Sixth, maybe. Fifth round guy? Is it, yeah. is it fifth? Yeah, I don't me- think that absolves them of their hypocrisy, Srudy, but I think that's the the best chance at a substantive response. And if you're looking to move on from Fifth either round. of these guys, I'm not going to be mad at you because I get it. Like You always think you can do better. If Tyrod was my quarterback, I wouldn't be that mad either. I think he's okay, but I'd probably be looking for something else, and clearly they were. But they are almost the, they're, it's almost the, exactly the same scenario. They're both similar records. They're both fighting for playoff spots. They both have a guy. And here's the thing, Mahomes, I know we got taken in the first round, but there was a lot of people saying that he had a ton of learning to do. Yeah, we just had Tim Hasselbeck here saying that he's one of the rawest prospects he's seen ever come out. Yeah, there there are other teams that would go no way. No chance you would take Mahomes in the first round. But, yeah, that's better than Nathan Peterman in the fifth round. But, I, I look, I don't know. I, I think whenever you can label stuff, it actually at times becomes far worse. And, and that's the difference here with these two guys. But Andy Reid said he's not benching him. And, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, you wouldn't be shocked. What? No, if he if if Mahomes doesn't start a game this year, if they're still in this playoff race towards the end of the season, I don't think Reed's going to bench the guy. And this is the non Alex Smith dude on the show saying that he shouldn't be benched because I've also watched Mahomes in college. I'm and, I'm I like Alex Smith, so I'm opposite of you. You you're not an Alex Smith guy. I'm closer to you, Sarudi. I like Alex Smith, but I do think it's time to move on. I think the future they've made their commitment to the future. They're still in first place in the division. They've lost five of six. He's been awful for three straight games. Not bad. He's been really bad for three straight games. He threw a pick on a comeback drive against the Bills. He attempted one pass over 20 yards against the Bills. I'm actually arguing for Alex Smith now, then. Look at the remaining games. At the Jets, winnable. Raiders, winnable. Chargers, at home. Dolphins, at Broncos. They could win all of those games having a pedestrian. The other problem with Alex Smith is that... Wait, let's finish that thought. Having a pedestrian what? Quarterback play? Yeah. But why why would you assume that Mahomes comes in because he throws the ball harder and deeper that he's going to understand the position and they're going to win games now? That's insane. My football argument is this, if you really want the football argument. I do. The Chiefs' losing streak began when the Steelers changed the way everybody played defense against Alex Smith and the Chiefs. They started playing zone. They didn't play man against these athletes like Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt. They went to zone. They clogged everything up. Why in the can't Hunt on the football? Middle, I don't. That's another question. But they can't. The <laughs> entire middle field is clogged up. The entire middle of the field. And they're waiting to let these guys come to them. They're not over-pursuing. The way you beat a zone, and we talked about this earlier with Jeff Saturday, is you got to throw the ball downfield. 20-plus yards. Beat the top off of a zone. And Smith either can't or won't do it. One thing I'll guarantee you about Mahomes is he will do that. He may throw picks, too. But he will do that. We we get way too excited about guys that have big, powerful arms, and we just assume they're going to figure They're still in first place. All five of their opponents the rest of the way are beatable. The defense has been in the last two weeks, but that's the sneaky other secret of this team, too. Defensively, their rankings aren't very good because of the injuries and stuff that happened at the beginning of the year. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast.